live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast. Better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned into the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. You can see how hyped I am with my breathing here. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. The links are there. You can boom, 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 boom. Follow everything. Interact. Check out the T Public Store. Great gift ideas for this holiday season. Parlay Points. New blogs dropped this week. You definitely got to go check them out. The directory where you can find the show on your favorite podcast platform. There is so much I could keep going on and on, but I'll just keep it very short and sweet. odphpodcast.com. Get familiar. And always remember to use the hashtag odphpod on social media. Kicking off this edition of the ODPH, though, mm-hmm. we have a lot to discuss in the land of Disney Plus's latest episode of Hawkeye. Uh huh. A lot went down that we thought was going to happen. Yep. Did the internet melt? <laughs> not, not Luke, really. Lukewarm. Lukewarm. But if you've been listening to the podcast and you've been keeping your ears to. What Kevin Feige is talking about. Also, if you don't live under a rock. Yeah, you can kind of think what was going to happen is pretty much happening. Also, I'm going to reiterate like I did last week, um, and this isn't spoiler territory. If you have not seen Black Widow, you know, and you haven't started the series yet, watch Black Widow before you start the series. Yes, that is a very, very good point to bring up because there is a lot, especially with this episode entitled Ronin, that ties into that movie. Uh-huh. So that being said, we are going to deep dive into the latest episode of Hawkeye, Episode 5, entitled Ronan. Now, if you're new to the show, this is how we do it. We give you the countdown and fair warning. We do talk spoilers. We don't want to ruin this for anybody. Pad timestamps this in the podcast notes so you know when we start and when we finish. So that way... You won't have this episode ruined for you because we enforce a 72-hour social media embargo from release date moving forward before we talk about anything on social media. Because we try being very good, unlike certain places that decide to go spoil everything right out the gate. More importantly with Spider-Man No Way Home. We're not those guys. We like to give you fair warning. So that being said... After the countdown, we get deep diving, so either pause the episode or jump in the conversation right then and there, because in three, two, one, pad, what did you think about Disney Plus's Hawkeye entitled Ronin? Yeah, I thought it was a solid episode. Uh, you know, wasn't I was expecting a little bit more. You know, I wasn't necessarily expecting the internet to break and the world to melt and everyone's heads to explode. Just because we've been down this road with, you know, Marvel before on, on Disney Plus, you know, ever since the, you know, Mandalorian season two final episode of it, everyone's been trying to recreate that and try to hype it up. That was just so natural and, and organic. I don't think you can recreate it. 
You know, so I was expecting something, and, and I had a feeling I knew what was going to happen, and it could have been a little bit better, but it was still a great ending. When I was a boy, <laughs> this episode really did a lot to flesh out the series, even though there's only one episode left. I have my feelings about where we're going to see the adventures of Clinton Barton and Kate Bishop moving forward. Uh-huh. I think we're getting a second season. I would imagine so. There's a lot that they still have not f- tidied up with this series thus far. Yeah, and this doesn't feel like a story that like the end results are going to spin off into a movie a la WandaVision. Right. No, there is a lot that you would think this is self-contained, but it's not. I know they're rolling out the Echo series yeah. from this. Yeah. But where we see the adventures of Clint Barton, played by Jeremy Renner, and Kate Bishop, played by Haley Steinfeld, we are getting the reenactment of the Matt Fraction, David Aja run mm-hmm. in the comics, which I can't stress enough. You need to go pick up and definitely deep dive into after the show is done. Yeah, You'll get a true appreciation for everything that Aja has kind of visually set up for this show because there is a lot of influence going on with this. Mm-hmm. And the whole story of this series thus far has been about Clint Barton's identity as Ronin. Yeah. And when he was on a very dark path following the events of the snap from Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Yep. There was a lot of bad stuff that he did. A lot of red in the letter, as they say in Black Widow. So that being said, his past is now caught up to him when he's trying to enjoy his life post-Avengers. And he gets brought back into the forefront here when there's a secretive auction that inspires somebody to get the Ronin costume out. Yep. And it's Kate Bishop trying to investigate a, a, what is going on involving her family. And it now has spiraled out into this very complex web where we're having more influences coming in. Yeah. And let alone we have now the backstory from Black Widow uh-huh. coming to full front. Yeah. Where Yelena, played by Florence Pugh, Mm-hmm. has now reprised her role and is continuing the bonus scene that was mentioned in Black Widow, Yeah, where she is now hunting Clint Barton. Yep. We jump into this episode mm-hmm. where you see Yelena on her mission yep. to free all of the brainwashed Black Widow uh, uh, recruits, agents. agents that were involved in the program that were obviously held against their will. She's trying to free everybody. Yeah, because a fair amount of time has obviously passed since the events of Black Widow, which took place, you know, right before Infinity War. Mm-hmm. So, you know, five years of... So what, what's, what's she been up to, at, you know, during this time? You know, so the episode starts and she's breaking into a house and, and almost getting into a fight and, and trying to stop. And, you know, she's, like you said, continuing that mission that was set upon her at the end of uh, Black Widow. Yeah, so it's a very funny scene to a certain degree because yeah. she's trying to free somebody who's already broken free yeah. of the brainwashing because she does have the red mist that does erase the programming done yep. by the organization. And when she's having this moment, she ducks into the bathroom for a second. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, the snap happens. She turns to dust. And I got to say, this was very interesting to see from a snapped person's perspective. Mm-hmm. Because up to this point, we've seen it from the perspective of the folks who haven't been snapped. Right. You know, we saw everything that took place in, the, in, in between. So this was a fun and interesting perspective to see that, you know, obviously five years had passed. But to them, it's like, what did she say? Like five seconds? Yeah, it's it's been something like that. Because they did touch upon this lightly in WandaVision, but this is the first one we saw like a real deep dive after it. This is when we physically saw it. Yes. 
And to see just how everything changed, she was in a completely different room. She comes walking out, and the well, no, she was in the same room. It's just everything had like been what well, everything around her changed. Yeah, yeah, like that was the whole thing. Yeah. So when she comes walking out, the agent that she freed is there with her family now. She's married. She's got a kid. They're like, oh, hey, well, you're back. Yeah, and she's like, what do you mean I'm back? I, I never left. And they're explaining the whole snap ordeal. Yeah, which is a lot to take in. It is. It definitely is so much that Yelena is like pausing, like, what is going on? And then they fast forward to present time, yep. which I, I totally love how they time stamped it right after. Yeah. You weren't sure exactly when this was going on until you saw the snap. And then you're yeah. like, okay, this makes sense. Then we jump into present day, mm-hmm. where Kate Bishop is now severed ties with Clint Barton at this point. Yep. She goes back home to talk to her mom, and they're having a heart-to-heart about her future stepdad. Yeah. Which is a very weird s- scenario, i got to say. But Kate's mom, Eleanor, played by Vera Famia, mm-hmm. is, is has some of her best scenes in, this, in the show thus far, i got to say. And they're breaking down everything going on with Jack, a.k.a. the swordsman. And basically, Kate is just, you know, explaining herself and just how why she's so inspired by Clint to be a hero. And she finally does break through to Eleanor about, like, you need to investigate him. He's behind this corporation that's fronting a lot of bad things going on. Thus, we see Jack get arrested. (laughs) Boy, that was a surprise. That was such a weird moment. I got to say, because it felt like it was super quick, too. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm, I'm not mad because, obviously, due to the time restraints of the series, because yeah. it's only six episodes, yeah. you got to start speeding everything up. Yeah, so you don't exactly have time for an entire, let's investigate his office here for five minutes. Let's investigate his bedroom. Like, you don't got time for that. Yes, because once the cops take the swordsman away, Kate is thinking, okay, justice might have been served. She goes back to her apartment, and then, lo and behold... Yelena is there waiting for her. Uh-huh. Making her dinner, by the way. Yeah. Like, how cool was that? Oh, that was nice of her. Yeah. she's And, and Yelena, I got to say, the back and forth between Florence and Haley was fantastic. Christ, Florence saying Kate Bishop for like five minutes was hilarious. Yes. And she's like, this is the first time I've been to New York. And, and she's telling about all the places she wants to go. And yeah. when she's offering the macaroni and she goes, all right, if you don't want any, I'm going to take it. I love hot sauce. And the amount of sriracha she was putting on that was just making my head like, well, and explode. She, and she goes to offer, make her a plate and offer it to her. And she's looking for a fork together. And she's like, what is it? You only have one fork? Why do you only have one fork? And, and Kate goes, because I live by myself. That's all I need. And and, and uh, Yelena just goes, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Oh, just just the you know fish out of water element that Florence brought with Yelena's character. Yeah. It, this was just a fun scene. But then they get down to business because Kate is still obviously trying to figure out, okay, well, you're a black widow, and Yelena is telling her story. Like, Natasha was my sister. Clint is responsible for the death. Do you really think he's so squeaky clean? Yeah. And this is kind of where a little seed of truth starts growing in Kate. Yeah. That it's, you know, the old saying, to paraphrase a little bit, never meet your idols because they become your rivals. Yeah. This is where she's now noticing, like, Everything that she's had Clinton on a pedestal for, yeah, might not be one hundred percent true, and it's a very cool moment mm-hmm. that they don't spend a lot of time with. But the mannerisms used in this acting, like I said, Haley Seinfeld def- did a great job, and Florence Pugh always is crushing it in this role thus far. So, uh, Elena takes off. Yep, 
those the the, uh, the old jump out the window with the cable thing. Uh huh. I don't know if that's become a new thing. You know, like the hallway scene for. So I uh, think it's her thing. Netflix shows, but hey, it is. But yeah, you know, it, it definitely works for her. Yeah. Then we take a trip to see what Clint Barton's been up to. Uh huh. And he goes and sees an old friend. Yeah. Pat, who is that old friend? It's Grills. Yeah. His friend from the uh, LARPing scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, and, and Clint is kind of stuck out on his own because, well. He wants to be home, but this ain't quite over yet. Right. He's calling his wife and he's letting her know. This is a lot bigger than I thought it was. Yeah. This is kind of uh, really spiraled out of control. Like, this is going in a lot of bad places. As if she couldn't figure that out based on the fact that he's not home yet. You're right. But the one thing with Clint Barton, though, too. Is if you ever notice when he's written very well in the comics, he always has a plan. Yeah. But it's never a good plan. This is very, very true. This is how he gets by, but it's something that certain writers can really capture with him. And this is a moment that definitely stands out because he comes up with this insane idea that he is going to say, okay, we're going to have a meetup with Echo. Yeah. And I'm going to show up there with the Ronin suit. Because this is a well-thought-out plan. Because this is like, yeah, this is completely sane. Because after he's been explaining to her right-hand man, Kaze, yep. that you know Ronin's dead, never existed, blah, blah, blah. Don't no. worry about it. No, he winds up saying, you know what, why don't we go back to the scene of the crime? Yeah, and I, and I hey, shout out to the Run DMC in the episode. Loved it. Loved the Run DMC. Shot, uh, you had two tracksuit mafia guys driving down the street. You know, Arrow gets shot through the front windshield. The guy in the passenger seat about shits his pants. Yes. You know, and they're waiting for something to happen, and then you just see a little compartment open up. And, and I got to admit, I missed that until they pulled out the little scroll of paper and they look and it says, meet me at the place where, uh, where it happened. Mm-hmm. There was ever something to that effect. Yeah. So he arranges to meet back where her father was killed. And it's like, come along, which ha! bold of you to trust well, them on that. That's the whole point. I mean, Echo knows what's going on. She is a very smart character. Alkaya Cox has definitely done a great job with her. Yeah. And to really see of how she's fleshing out the role of like the vengeance is driving her. To even to the point of insanity because yeah. she arranges his meeting. She has her soldiers around her as in the tracksuit mafia. Yep. And Ronan is going Batman on them. Oh my God, yeah. And this is such a wild scene because when I think of Hawkeye in the comics, I don't think him as a stealth fighter to the degree. This was like something out of the, the Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Batman movies that like he's slinking through the darkness and you don't, you know, the camera work is doing it. So you don't quite see who's doing it. And you're sitting there going, wait, who the hell, you know, is it, is it Yelena? Is it, you know, the ghost of, of Natasha? Is it Kate? Like, you know, what the hell's going on here? Because you genuinely, until he steps out of the shadows, mm-hmm. you know, no metaphor intended, you know, he go. You're like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah. So it's a wild scenario that happens with this, and then even when Kaze has the sniper rifle rifle ready to go, we see Kate Bishop decides to tag along. Yeah. Huh? She's refusing to give up because she has to find her own truth here too. During this scene, though, Clint Barton does what every smart superhero does when they're trying to talk to their enemy at the time. I'm gonna take my mask off. Yeah, because this has always worked. It's the Martha Claus. Here, let me do this. Why did you We're say friends. That name? Yeah, exactly. Like, so he wants to unveil himself and show Echo that you know what? Yes, I was Ronan, and I'm telling you right now. It's like it's like when it's like a what in Spider-Man Two when Tobey Maguire 
shows James Franco that like pulls off the mask and reveals he's Spider-Man as if that's supposed to stop. Like, hey, I'm your best friend and I murdered your father. And I, it appeared that I murdered your father, but I'm not going to tell you that. I didn't. I'm just going to show you my face and hope that you stop trying to kill me. Like, the hell is that supposed to do? Yeah, there's no loyalty here. There's no, no backstory between Echo and Hawkeye at this stage. So, like, what? Oh, because you were an Avenger, I'm supposed to say, you know, my personal vendetta against you is going to stop. You know what? You were right. I was wrong the entire time. Cool. We'd be Facebook friends. Like, seriously, where you, his plan is, but this is perfect Hawkeye, well, though, logic. It was a half a plan. It was a half a plan. But like I say, this is Hawkeye logic to the T. Yeah. And that's what I loved about this. Because once he takes his mask off, he's saying, you know what? If you keep coming after my family, I'm going to come after you. Uh-huh. And then he drops a little bombshell that I think he's been waiting for. Yeah, I think he's been holding this one in the chamber for just such an occasion. Yes, because he explains... Well, you know why I showed up there that night? I was tipped off by somebody that wanted your father dead. Uh-huh. And this is kind of a big bombshell. She moment. just get low, uh you know, she just can't wrap her head around it. Yeah, no, she's definitely like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. Like somebody was hiring you to kill my dad? And he or at least pointing the gun in their proverbial gun in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. So it it was kind of left a little vague. Yeah. Because did he admit that he killed him? No, no, he didn't. He just said he was tipped off he, about. I say he's trying to take. You know, he, is he guilty for killing? You know, her father. Yeah. I mean, the you know the blade went through the chest. Right. You know? But he, I think he's trying to like, hey, I didn't just you know thoughtlessly and, and maliciously go out and kill your father just for kicks and giggles. Like, no, I was in a certain place, you know, and he doesn't say, it, but he kind of like implies that like I was in a certain place and I got told something uh, and I did something about it. Yeah. So he more or less confesses, even though I was still waiting and this still might happen because I'm just thinking comics wise and yeah, you know, maybe I've watched a little too much pro wrestling in my day. I'm expecting the big swerve oh, yeah. that he was going there but he didn't, nah. and then that's when Swordsman jumped in and did his thing. That, that would have happened in like the early two thousands comic movies, but not today. Yeah, that's what I say. So, um, but you know, like I say, I'm just I always kind of think of something like that could happen. Yeah, because they don't want to have the Avenger be the real bad guy. Even though, well, let's face it, we all forget that Ronan was killing people on the regular during the beginning half of. Endgame. I mean, it's not like he was walking down Fifth Avenue in New York and slashing at everybody. No, no, was targeted. No. You know, we saw we saw in Endgame he was killing the Yakuza, which let's face it, they're not the nicest people. No, it was Frank Castle approved. We all we all know we all know that, but you know, still like for how such you know characters in the MCU have a moral high ground against Frank Castle, like everybody's like, oh, Clint did it. I'm just imagining. Yeah, but you know, he had I'm just day. imagining that gif of the kid sitting in front of the computer and he does a thumbs up and the and the smile and he and he shakes his head in agreement. I'm just imagining that being Frank Castle. That needs to happen. Oh my god. If that hasn't happened, we got to make that. Cuz seriously, that is how he is justifying everything. Like I was in a bad place. Yeah. My my bad. But you know, the one weird thing though is Echo knows this business, so she understands. Yeah. Like she's more calm about it than I thought she was going to be, which was it's was, it's weird to say. Yeah. But it's true. But the, like I say, I kind of refer to this as like this is Walking Dead logic. Like it's a different world. You don't really understand it. You just kind of go with it. Yeah. This is reasons. reasons. So at that point, Echo has some explaining to do. But once she tracks down her right-hand man, Kaze, because Clint kind of says, well, you know, he wasn't there that night. And if he's supposed to be your guy here i think he was and i think at that time he was her dad's right hand man right 
So that's what you're saying. He goes, well, if he's the right-hand man. Why was he not there? Why was he there? And it's kind of a weird setup because Echo questions him and and Kaze kind of just. Uh, oh, I was in the car. I was waiting. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Yeah, he kind of brushes it off, but he's like, uh, I got caught. Uh-huh. I got caught. This is not uh, a good thing. No. So we have to kind of wait to see what happens. Clint escapes with Kate. So now it looks like, well, they're stuck together no matter what. Yep. Friends forever. Yep. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. However, the next day, we do get a little more information. Yeah. Because Elena is now friends with Kate. Yep. I, You know what? And I don't mind seeing this budding pair in more future episodes. I think there's a lot of stuff that we could see with these two. I don't know if you call them friends. I think they're acquaintances, and I and I think in what we're about to discuss wasn't done in like friendly terms. I think it's just, hey, I'm doing you a solid because, you know, I think you should know. I well, I think it's it, this is how Yelena is kind of doing some ice breaking. Yeah, because you have to remember being in the Black Widow program, you're not exactly the most social people. I was gonna say social skills leave a lot to be deser- uh, desired. Right. So I think she's trying to like. Be Kate's friend and give and do a solid and tell her. Be like, yeah, um, I just want to let you know. Yeah, I was hired. Yeah, by your mom to kill Clint. Yeah, and yeah, your mom is kind of working with Echo's boss. And then we and get I have a photo. And I have a photo. And then they end this show with the still shot. We have been waiting for. Uh huh. Everybody is marking out about this on the internet. Yep. In fact, the said actor just confirmed as of four o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Uh huh. On the day the episode came out. Yep. Pad, who is in the scene and who do we see? So we see the photo. It's of Kate Bishop's mother shaking hands with a rather tall and rather wide-shouldered individual who's got no hair in his head, and he likes wearing a white tuxedo uh, jacket. Uh, None other than Kingpin. And yes, folks, Vincent D'Onofrio is playing him because if you go to his Twitter account, at Vincent D'Onofrio, there's a photo of the end credits, uh, which shows Hawkeye, uh, and then... Uh, with the outline of Kingpin, and it's with the quote on the tweet, when I was a boy, dot, dot, dot. Thus confirming Vincent D'Onofrio is back as Kingpin. Yes. And to soothe some people's opinions, Mm -hmm. he was not in a fat suit. Nope. I know that was rumored. That was a big rumor going around because obviously with how he was done in Spider-Verse and how he's been typically in the comics He's been a, a, a solid, yeah, round individual. Well, so the only outside of Spider Verse, the only time I ever saw him rather large was in the '90s cartoon. Every other instance, it's just been he's tall and he's big shouldered, like he's muscular. Yeah, like in the early incarnations of him, sure they they drew him as kind of a how he, you saw him in the cartoon, sure. So like I can understand that from a from an aspect. It's gone through different incarnations depending on who's creating his story at that time. Right. So it's kind of been in different influx. I know, though, after Into the Spider-Verse, everybody was freaking out because of how overproportioned he was. Right. Just being just huge. Oh, yeah. And and not really understanding that, yeah, his quote-unquote power, if you will, is he's he's very solid in his mass, and he can definitely like do some kind of strength, but he's not a super-powered villain. 
Mm. He's, he's just the kingpin of crime. Even when Clint Barton at this point too hears this and sees that footage and says kingpin, because that name does get dropped in this episode. Uh-huh. This is a perfect way to end it. Vincent D'Onofrio, like we said, went on Twitter and confirmed that it was him. The fans are excited, as are we. Yeah. Because if you haven't, for whatever reason, and I'm not going to judge you if you haven't, make a point to refresh yourself on his work as Wilson Fisk. He is Wilson Fisk Kingpin. Yeah. Like, it is perfect casting. Yeah, nobody else can touch that role. No. Nobody. I'm sorry. Like, the fact, I'm glad Kevin Feige definitely did the right thing and brought him back. Yeah. Because... We do know that the Daredevil fan base has been very vocal that they want to sure. see their their team back, and you sure. know, and I don't blame them because say what you will about how the Netflix Defenders universe ended. Yeah. yeah, there is a lot of great actors that were involved in that show. Oh God, yeah, and I think that they've made the right decision with Daredevil being the franchise one out the gate. Because let's face it, when that show was originally being talked about being made. There was a lot of question marks going on. Well, yeah, because it was coming off of the <laughs> interesting uh, film with uh, Ben Affleck. Right. So when it was getting redone, there was some skepticism. Sure. But Charlie Cox has made it his role. He is Matt Murdock. Oh, yeah. You can't, oh, argue, yeah. You can't yeah. argue that. And obviously, Vincent D'Onofrio is playing Kingpin very well. Like, the chemistry yeah. they have on screen together. Oh, God, yeah. This is what you read in the comics. If oh, you've yeah. read any great Daredevil comic, this is the two you see, and you can hear their voices when they talk now. Like, when you read in a comic, you can hear their voices when you're reading the word bubbles. That Because I cannot hear anybody else doing it. I really can't when I'm no. reading it. And who knows who else is going to pop up that we know of. I would say we're going to see Deborah Ann Wall as Karen Page. I would say so, yeah. I would. I would say she's more or less a lock to be in. Yeah. Anybody else, we got to kind of wait and see because – maybe. Where this is going to tie into, I'm banking we're going to see a lot more spiraling out of this after uh-huh. Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah, and and you got to give credit to Feige for you know bringing in D'Onofrio because Feige is a fan of this stuff. You know, at the end of the day, and and I'm sure as a fan, he wanted he saw how great Vincent D'Onofrio was as Kingpin and wanted to bring him in and then have him reprisal. But that's obviously came down to if Vincent wanted to do it again. You know, so because you can't you can't force a guy to do it if he doesn't want to do it. And also, it ultimately came down to the legalese and the, and the contracts and everything else between Netflix and, and Marvel and figuring that whole thing out and getting that sorted out and all and all that. So kudos to him and, and the crew at Marvel for getting it done. I remember going and hearing Vincent D'Onofrio talk in New York Comic Con a couple yeah. years back. Yeah. And how much he loves this character. Oh, yeah. This was probably the no-brainer. They just had to ask him. And he even addressed it, too, when they said, you know, about the show – and he was like, I will play this as long as they will have me. Like he goes, I love this character. This There's so much depth to him. And there really is. And he, yeah. he's actually done something with the Kingpin that I don't think has ever really been demonstrated before. Mm-hmm. He's kind of humanized him in a way. Uh, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. You know, and it, it's such an interesting portrayal because usually you see him in the comics and the early incarnations are what they are. That obviously he's just evil to the core and there's nothing to him. Yeah. And, and then you see in more recent runs of Daredevil of how well he's written and how they kind of tie into a lot of what D'Onofrio brought to the character. Well, yeah, and I think in the comics now, last I knew he was the mayor of New York. Yeah, he's got a big crossover coming out, too. Yeah. He's taken over most of Marvel Comics in the upcoming months here. There's a lot of wind that happened with this episode. And going into the final one next week, had any speculation... I don't have a goddamn clue what's going to happen. Like, usually I've got, like, a rough idea or maybe, like, you know, just the outline of an idea. 
I don't have a goddamn clue. Like I don't like I I think we're right in that this is going to get a second season just because I feel like this story isn't going to be done with one season and it's not going to spin off into a a movie. You know, and when I say that, I mean the story specifically. Obviously, we'll end up seeing the characters show up in the movies, you know, down the road where necessary. You know, but in terms of the story with this, I just can't see it spinning off into, you know, Blade or, or you know, the next Avengers movie. Like, I just don't see it. So I think it's going to be some sort of cliffhanger, you know, hey, get ready for season, you know, get ready for season two because that's coming in insert year, you know. So I have no idea. I think what we're going to see is we'll see Vincent D'Onofrio on screen next week in some capacity. It could, oh, be a, yeah. it could be a bonus scene. I'm not saying he's going to be in the episode per se, but you'll see him do something in this show. I feel that you're going to see the payoff come with Swordsman and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. I th- I, to my gut instinct, I can't see how they're going to have Swordsman on here and not have some kind of physical confrontation with Hawkeye. You have like to a figure. real one. Yeah. Because I'm almost saying, too, when Eleanor made that deal about the cops, especially how quick they were called. Yeah. Well, she probably knows the Kingpin. Kingpin has cops on the payroll. Uh, that's very true. Escort him in, escort him out. That's how I see this playing. And I got a, an, an odd feeling that since Eleanor is obviously working with the Kingpin, working with Swordsman, it's yeah. a whole you know evil ball of wax there. I'm not doubting that they retcon... Who killed Echo's father? Could and they be. and they make it swordsman. Like that Clint was going to do it, but he didn't. And you know X, Y, and Z. It very well could be. Yeah, because I think that that would just add some more depth to what they're doing with Kingpin, and obviously leading into the Echo series. Yeah. Because now I feel that you'll see her break away and help Hawkeye this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I see him not getting killed off, but I see him now freeing his name, especially with the Elena. Yeah. I'm not sure how. I can't say a yes or no if Scarlett Johansson would make in or they find so. something. The only thing I could say is they made an awful big deal about that damn watch. Yeah. That they had to steal from uh, Echo's apartment. Yeah. If that has some information that clears Clint's name, I won't be super shocked. Sure. Because remember, that was a big deal for three episodes. Yeah. And now we just kind of forget about it. There's just a lot that is still up in the air of how they're going to end this, but I do feel this is the last time we see Jeremy Renner play Clint Barton for a while. Yeah. I never say never anymore, but I don't think that we'd see him back for another season of Hawkeye. Even though if they did come back, I'd be okay with it. I just feel that this is going to be it for him, and I think they do another season, but this will be Kate Bishop driven. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I don't think that they're ready to go Young Avengers just yet. No. That will happen, though. Uh, that's coming. That's coming. It just depends on what lineup they want to do. Yeah. See, because there's a lot of moving parts still in this new phase of the MCU to set that up. Well, and even you know, to your point about Runner coming back to play Hawkeye or not, I know he's been tight-lipped about it because I saw a clip on, I can't remember if it was Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. It was one of the two. Probably Kimmel. Where they were getting ready, or they were talking about the show, and they were talking about Florence Pugh and, and the events that happened in Black Widow, and, and, and Runner just goes, who? Yeah. Who, who? You know, and then he goes, oh, yeah, that, and he talks about watching it with his with his niece and this that, and the other but then he goes oh you know will you be playing hawkeye again after this series and runner just goes who yeah so he he's already well versed and he's being tight-lipped about it well i think he knows that 
obviously there is a changing of the guard happening at the MCU. They obviously Chris Evans yeah. not, is not coming back as Captain America thus yet. Uh, obviously Robert Downey Jr. is done with Iron Man in this stage. Yeah. But you never say never. It's Hollywood. We've seen crazier things happen. Natalie Portman's coming back to the Thor universe. Very true. Never thought I'd see that. But here we are. So that being said, I'm saying as of right now, Renner is done. But I'm not saying we wouldn't see him come back. Yeah. But I think it would be smart money if Disney Plus and Marvel did talk him to come back. So what you're saying is Terrence Howard's going to show up in the final episode. Yeah, you never know, man. There's, <laughs> there's all these variants coming out. Like, I'm just saying we could see a lot from the TV universe yeah. and, and, you know, all yeah. that. You never know what you're going to see coming out in No Way Home. It's the big reset button for the whole MCU. But with this show and what they've done with Hawkeye, they've really captured everything that if you were not a Hawkeye fan yeah. and you only knew him as the guy with arrows that was tagging along with the Avengers, you really get an insight to how he is. There's so much more stories they could do with him. A lot, like I said, they just take a lot from the Fraction run and even some of the later stuff they've done. Like, there's some stuff that I could definitely see on screen. I'd love to see him versus the Hood. I don't know if that's going to happen. I know that's wishful thinking, comic-wise. But we kind of have to wait to see how that all plays out. Either way, Ronan, Episode 5 of Disney Plus' Hawkeye. Absolute masterpiece. Loved it. Had a lot that really sold me on getting amped up for the season finale because, let's face it, they got some competition to keep the spotlight for about another 24 hours until Spider-Man No Way Home hits theaters. Very true. They got to cash in on this. So, ODPH Society, here's my question to you. What is your thoughts about Disney Plus's Hawkeye, Episode 5, Ronin? We're not talking on social media about it, but I want your your picks ready to go because when that 72-hour embargo is up, I want you to drop them to me and Pat on Twitter, let us know what you think. Links can be found at odphpodcast.com or at odparleyhour on Twitter. Hit us up. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. April 1st, 2022 will mark the 10-year anniversary of the biggest professional wrestling bout of all time. And at long last, Julio has agreed to travel into the bowels of the beast that is sports entertainment. In the Contrarian's first ever Patreon-exclusive miniseries, we'll be deep-diving the complex story of what was billed as once-in-a-lifetime, The Rock vs. John Cena. Join us as we cover the fictional and real rivalry that led to the biggest money match in the history of an industry while paralleling the movie careers of John Cena and Dwayne Johnson. Part 1 will look at the careers of The Rock and John Cena leading into 2011, including their early entries in the world of acting with The Rundown and The Marine. Part 2 will see The Rock's return to the world of professional wrestling after seven years away as he challenges John Cena to a match in the main event of WrestleMania 28. We'll discuss the year-long build as well as the movies that came from it, Fast Five and The Reunion. In Part 3, we'll recap the infamous Summer of Punk, the legendary John Cena vs. CM Punk WWE title match from Money in the Bank 2011, and the UFC veterans foray into out-of-ring acting, Girl on the Third Floor. The Contrarians travel back in time to Miami, Florida in Part 4 for the history-making, record-breaking bout between two of the biggest stars in entertainment and follow it up with the WWE-produced Once-in-a-Lifetime documentary. And in the finale, we'll look at the fallout and legacy of the feud and match as well as the men's recent work in the world of acting with 2018's Skyscraper and 2021's Vacation Friends. Part 1 drops on December 20th. Be sure to head over to patreon.com slash contrarianprime today to select your tier. Just a $1 subscription will get you access. 
Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and now it's time to talk Flash, uh-huh. uh, <sighs> Defender of the CW Universe. No. <laughs> I had to get pad with that one because obviously we are going to be recapping the events that closed out the big event to kick off Flash Season 8 on the CW, Armageddon. Yeah. Now, this is kind of an interesting setup because after this episode, they're gone until March of 2022. Uh-huh. Kind of an interesting way. Like, yeah. I understand with the holidays, the CW usually takes a break yeah. from new shows. I mean, that's, that's nothing new. No. And especially where they're coming back in January with a loaded second week of January. Yeah. Real, well, I'll be talking about that in uh, one shots to the end of the show. But for where this crossover ends, and now Team Flash is in a new stat quo, I guess? For like the eighth time. Yeah, we kind of have to deep dive about what's going on here on the conclusion of Armageddon. So you know the deal by now. The Once we get the countdown done, we start talking spoilers. So if you don't want to be spoiled about this, we give you the pause in the episode and the, and the liner notes, and then you'll be able to catch right in. Because once Pat and I get going, we don't stop. So that being said, in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think about the Flash Armageddon Part 5? Uh, solid episode. Thought it was good. A little disappointed with some of the stuff that took place, and I thought it you know, I thought it'd be a bigger conclusion than it ended up being. You know, it was kind of billed as like a mini crossover, and they were talking about and hyping up all the actors and actresses that were going to be returning to portray their respective roles. And, you know, I maybe it was just me in my head thinking, oh, it's a crossover. You know, we're going to have that big moment, like in crossovers, where they all fight, you know, together. You know, but it was still good, and it was still interesting to see. It was interesting. I will give you that. Was it my favorite episode of all time? No. No. But I didn't dislike it as much as I thought I was going to. I actually enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. Because where we jump into this whole crazy storyline is Despero, who's a longtime DC Comics villain. And you can see that he's in human form a lot, even though in the comics he's a very large alien. Uh, has come to Earth and is looking for Barry Allen to prevent him from ending the world in 2031. Uh-huh. Because, allegedly, Barry is responsible for starting Armageddon. Yep. And then we go through this wild, topsy-turvy, time-altering change of yeah. you know everything going on in Barry's life where people are dying, people are disappearing. Yeah, so Joe, his... his uh, adoptive father joe west dies he loses his job his friends turn on him you know if it can go wrong it does go wrong yeah it's a wild scenario for grant gustin's character and we see that obviously he went back into the future to save the past it's the flash folks just roll with it yep and he winds up saving the day albeit though his lifelong nemesis reverse flash ebarthon played by the one and only tom cavanaugh has somehow survived the time reset for now. I mean, he survived, like, Time Reapers or whatever the hell they were called. They reminded me of Dementors from Harry Potter mm-hmm. that were chasing him through time and were supposed to kill him in the timeline in whatever season it was because, hey, you're not supposed to exist. So, like, this man cheats death more times than I can count. Exactly. And now he has wound up in 2021. The last time we saw him, he went and was messing around with Gideon, yep. the computer at Star Labs. Yep. Well, this episode kind of jumps in, and you see Barry finally catches up with Joe, who he thought was long dead, and we have that very cool, you know, surrogate father moment. Yeah, you know, son moment, and it's it's always cool to see how they act. I mean, Jesse L. Martin, who's played Joe West since the beginning of the show, and really? Greg Gustin, yeah, like they have that whole, 
you know, bond that, that has really carried through the entire show. And like, yeah. and you can definitely tell how they've grown together in this show. Yeah. And when they're kind of recapping everything that goes on and Barry is like, yeah, I was responsible for killing you and you were dead. Joe gives like the most honest answer too. He's like, well, I'm really sorry that happened. <laughs> like, but, but the, but the funny thing is, and like I, I we touch upon this in different universes, everybody that's connected to like what's going on in that world. Yeah. Is like so unaffected, right? I mean, it, it's it's a it's an awkward scenario for Joe because you are his adoptive father. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've watched him grow up. You want to see him do well and succeed and take care of him in times of of distress. What do you say to your super powered Justice League, you know, adoptive son when he comes to you and says, "I, you know." Uh, Eobard Thawne created a reverse flashpoint. He killed you, took away my job, took away everything I loved. And, you know, and I had to go into the future and and stop it and, and fix the past and this and that. When you have no recollection of anything that happened and can barely wrap your head around it because you've never been in his shoes. So it's like, what the hell do you say in that instance? It's like, oh, hey, well, I'm glad I'm not dead. Yeah, it's just something with Joe, though. Like, he's so familiar with how things go. Yeah. I, like I love it that they're just so com- like casual and comment about it. It's just like, all right, it's another day of the week. Yeah, it's like all right, it's Tuesday. You want to go to Jitters, get some coffee? Like we're cool. But then they're interrupted by a fan favorite of ours, Damian yeah. Dark, played by the one Neil McDonough, and he's always great when he comes through the CW universe. Like yep. his character work is just fantastic, and he's more or less saying, "Well, you know, I'm not wiped away from this whole reset of time because I have a time stone." Yep. And he is obviously trying to track down his daughter. And obviously that was the big turning point in the future for him to help flash out. Because when he wants to make sure that Nora has a safe future or safe future in the past reasons, this is his bargaining chip. Yeah. But obviously they don't have time to really catch up on things because Ebor Thon immediately goes to the Central City PD uh-huh. and is doing Ebarthon things. Yeah, and trying to make a real scene of it, too. He even says, I'm making a scene so that there are witnesses so that they would bring you to me. Because essentially, he, he's not wrong. He could have just killed everyone and left before Barry would have even known he was there, but that's not what he wants. No. In fact, he's actually greeted by an old friend, and I'm not sure what she's doing exactly in Central City at this time, but nevertheless, I'm not mad to see Catherine McNamara reprising her role as Mia Queen, aka the New Green Arrow. Well, we know we end up finding out why she's there. She doesn't say it in that scene, but she says later her brother William is missing, and she did some science mumbo jumbo with, you know, Speed Force or I forget what it was, you know, because something her brother disappeared, and she used some sciency, you know, Star Labs type stuff. To figure out, all right, why did he disappear? And the stuff she detected led her back to that point in time. So that's so that's why her brother's missing, and she's trying. William is missing, and she's trying to figure out where the hell he is. Well, I was just thinking, like, how did they wind up? She know to go to the PD station. Like that was the only that was yeah. the only thing that kind of threw me for a loop. Unless she's like, well, maybe I'll we'll find Barry there. Uh, it's probably just a case of, hey, I show up here eventually. Something's going to happen that leads me to it. Yeah, but once Barry hears Thawne's plight of like, well, I'm getting wiped away. I want you to save me. Yeah. This is where the heart and soul of the episode really gets torn because 
a lot of Team Flash has very polarizing opinions about what to do. Well, and this is kind of one of my beefs, not with the episode, but just the way it was previewed the week prior, where, you know, you saw Thawne go to Gideon and, and you know, he started doing the face speed thing where you couldn't tell and he put the mask on and he was, oh, I'm going to ruin Flash's life. And the way they previewed it seemed like he was going to cause absolute hell and havoc. And I'm like, yo, I'm up for this. Like, we still got some folks who have are supposed to guest appear that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we'll get some of that. We'll get team up and we'll get some, you know, which we got some awesome action sequences. But just I was a little disappointed with the way they presented it in the preview and the way it ended up playing out. Like, you, you kind of misled me a little bit. Well, I think they, how are they going to top last week's episode? Like, that was, that was the thing. Like, that's how the crossover should have ended. And then this is kind of like a a side mission. Okay. Like, that, that's the kind of vibe I had. It's an epilogue. This. Yeah, which I get it, but, like, still the fact that Barry has to go back and forth with Team Flash about, like, are we going to let him live or let him die? Because, trust me, everybody on Team Flash has an opinion. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. So this is a... It's unique that we saw how many people were leaning to kill Thawne. Yeah. And let him die. Well, well, it's it's kind of split down the lines. You would think, and and if Cisco was there, it would have been another one for let, yeah. let him die. But you had you had Barry and Iris ready to let him die. Also, uh, Caitlin as well, because they've dealt with him. I can't tell you how many times, and, and caused absolute hell and havoc. You know, for that entire team, especially especially Barry, Iris, and Caitlin. Mm-hmm. But then you had Cecile, Allegra, and Chester, who are relative. They say it in the episode, "We're the new guys." You know, they not that experienced with them so they've got their opinion yeah which i mean i liked how they they brought that up because they are new to the team and and to be honest with you they haven't really fleshed out in my opinion as characters yeah to really have a place on the team like i mean obviously they are very important members sure but we haven't really had that much of a connection with them as viewers to really be like, oh yeah well they they really are high-ranking members of this team like they've always been kind of the b squad it is what it is but it also gave him some, like I said, some well-needed points during this episode about, like, no, we remember about what to be good. You're just yeah. jaded because of all the crap thons dawned to you over the years. Yeah. Because, let's face it, he's, he has a track record. Yeah. It's, it's not good. At this same point, we have Despero return from the future. Yeah. And he's saying, you need to kill Thawne because guess what? He can still cause Armageddon. Right, because he comes back and he goes, no, yeah, you did stop the future, or you did stop Armageddon from happening, but you need to let uh, Thawne die because, hey, he's come. you've supposedly gotten rid of him and stopped him before only for him to come back and keep coming back. He can come back again, and he can always still cause Armageddon. Yeah, so it's a wild scenario there. And then basically when Barry is saying, well, I'm done listening to you. Like, you, we like listen, I've vindicated myself. What else can I do this up? Well, and, and even despite the fact, I think at that point he's still ready to let him go. Or, and by him, I mean Thawne. He's still like, hey, listen, this guy's caused me nothing but grief. You know, I need to put a stop. It's a bad relationship. I need to just get out of this. Yeah. It's a, it's a different scenario, but Despero's like, I'm not waiting for you to do this. He winds up taking control of Mia. Yeah. Which is a very cool scene because, well, she basically kills all the power in Star Labs and is ready to kill everybody. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, and before she gets taken over by Despero, uh, Joe hears what's going on between Iris and Barry and how they're discussing about letting a person die. And he doesn't even care who it is. He comes in and this is the angriest I think I've ever seen him yeah. on the show. Like, he goes full dad mode like, no, this isn't what we're about. This isn't how heroes operate. 
I'm a cop. As much as I hate some people and might not want to save them, my duty is not to save the innocent people, but to save all people. Yeah, he's the voice of reason. And that's always what he's been. Joe has been the conscience of the show. And I got to say, I was in the camp of let Thawne die because he's caused absolute hell, absolute havoc, and absolute torture and mayhem for everybody on the team. Caitlin confronts him about it, you know, in the little force field in the basement. Like, listen, and I was laughing at that point because I'm like, he's trying to convince her to save him. I'm like, dude, you're barking up the wrong damn tree. You killed her fiance. Yeah. You know, I was firmly in the camp to let the guy die. But then Joe came in and gave his dad speech. And I'm like, you know what? He's right. They can't let him die. It's a fine line to walk because then what is a hero then? Yeah. Because the challenge of the hero is what do you do with the villain? Yeah, and I got to say, I was also, after Joe's speech, I was in the camp, I, and it occurred to me, and I ended up being wrong, but I was thinking, well, shit, yeah, you can't let him die because of time travel and however the hell that works. If you let him die here, does that mean he doesn't come back to the past and cause Barry to get his powers and screw with So I'm like, you might have to let him live. It's a weird scenario, but, I mean, at the end of the day... It is what makes Barry Barry. Yeah. What makes him a hero. And against all odds, he does the right thing. I mean, he's, in a weird sense, he's like the DC version of Spider-Man. Yeah. That he is the guy that no matter what won't cross the line. Yeah. And, I mean, he has all the rights too, but he just doesn't. And I know people say, well, what about Batman? Listen, Batman has crossed that line a lot of times. They oh, just yeah. don't like to talk about it. Well, the thing with Barry, too, that is for as superpowered as he is, where if he doesn't like something, he can very easily run through time and, and change it. You yeah. know, not always the smartest move, but he can change time. He can go anywhere. He can do anything he wants. But he's still human, and he still has that humanity in him of should I and would I. Yeah, it's it's the it's what makes him him. It's It's his complexity. That you can either go Frank Castle or you can go Clark Kent. What side of the fence do you want to be on? And obviously he goes with Superman and the ideals that make a hero because otherwise become the villain. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great parallel. So during this whole point, they're basically saying, okay, Thawne, we're going to find a way to make you live. But we're obviously going to have to find a way to stop you as well. Yeah. And Despero is not exactly hearing any of this, even though he has now been exposed for what he's done in his previous history. Yeah. Because, well, he's kind of exposed about being a liar. Yeah. I mean, Barry comes up with the idea very quickly of like, like even when he's talking to Joe, like in a snap, he figures out, Oh, even Joe, he's like, you can, I'm sure Joe goes, I'm sure you can come up with a, uh, a way to save him. And Barry pauses. He's thinking at lightning speed. And Joe goes, you just thought of one. And Iris looks at him and goes, really? He goes, no. Yeah. I mean, we can do to him what Jefferson was going to do to me and take away his speed force. So that's when, Despero hears it and goes, ah, fuck you. I'm going to take this into my own hands. But yeah, no, he's he's not exactly the uh, renegade hero he made himself out to be. He's kind of an asshole, which, no surprise. Well, that's how he is in the comics. I mean, he's not a good guy in the comics. Like, that's... that's not the... a good guy. He's not a bad guy. He's the guy. Exactly. He, he, he is who he is. You take it or leave it. So as Despero is now trying to do everything he can, Barry figures out a way... To stop him. Yeah. And, Pad, what does this involve? Well, so, Despero, as you mentioned, is taking things into his own hands and expunging energy the equivalent of an atomic bomb, I think is what they said. Yep. He's, he's looking to expunge the energy equivalent to an atomic bomb and vaporize Central City because, hey, 
can't you can't uh, if can't stop or can't stop uh Thawne from dying if you're dead mm-hmm. you know so Barry goes to try and fight him and stop him which you know hey losing effort but luckily team flash you know hey you know it could just be a distraction we got to get ready so they end up fighting Mia you know in in the lab you know but then he goes oh wait why don't I just redirect my uh, your power back at you because it's really strong and they figure what is it like they figure out fire can't work in the vacuum of space you know so he creates a vacuum by running around Desperado, runs up a building runs back down and, and throws the fire at him my other gripe with the episode because i had two gripes was the episode was holy shit the special effects for the fight with Despero giant were bad yeah oh my god like i wasn't expecting superman in lowest levels of of special effects but i was expecting something better than the original xbox and ps2 graphics yeah, they were, they were bad. They like were, I like I get now. I understand, you know, Flash special effects have never been like you know, Zack Snyder Justice League cut level, mm-hmm. or even like Marvel or Lucasfilm levels of. But damn, those were bad. Oh, they were bad. Well, I mean, they spent all the money on his new shoes because <laughs> he wrong. finally got his gold boots. Yeah, you're not wrong. Which, if you saw some set photos that leaked about a month or so ago, you knew he was going to get. Oh, they talked about a fandom. Oh yeah! You, you, oh, that's you, true. Yeah. You knew he was getting those boots, and lo and behold, that was the game changer. Like I think you want to give the young bucks a hey, little hey, run for the money. Fresh pair of kicks always help. Exactly. So as he runs up the building and then does a complete, you know, missile drop kick from the top of the roof on the Despero and takes him out of the equation. Yeah. Uh, he still has to deal with Thawne. Yeah. And then they go back, and sure enough, he finds a way to take the negative speed force out of him. Yep. And now makes him human. Yeah. So Thawne's alive. But he is vowing death on well, everybody he, involved. He's, he's pissed, you know. They and I was fully banking on Thawne doing something because they dropped the force field. Barry goes to do to him like Jefferson was going to do to Barry, you know. And I fully expected Thawne to run away and like, oh nope, you know that was my chance. But they get it off. He takes the power. He goes, "What did you do? What happened?" And they're like, "You know, we saved you. You know, we took away your power. You know, we we saved your life." And Thawne screams at them, and he goes, you took away the only thing I had in my life. You haven't saved me. You've killed me. Yep. So Thawne has a little axe to grind, and he's going to have time in Argus to do it. Yeah. And then the Flash celebrates with a very fancy party. Yeah, everyone's dressed to the nines. Yeah. And Mia has been having this heart-to-heart with Iris the entire episode. I mean, it was a, it was a little side point, obviously, with uh, Mia being brain-controlled. Yeah. At one point, and it was basically, you need to go talk to your mom, Felicity, and settle whatever nonsense you guys have, find your brother, yeah. and get going. And Mia takes that advice. She, Not without taking down in a few drinks, because who walks into the party? Damien Dark. Yeah, because that's always a fun uh, interaction between the two. Yeah, and he's like, well, you know, hey, uh, things happen. Um, <laughs> She's like, I need a drink. Yep. So she goes to get a she goes to get a whiskey and starts basically drinking the whiskey straight from the bottle. Yes. <laughs> but he also makes a point to go talk to Joe and, and kind of, they have a, 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 a cool father-to-father talk. That was cool. Yeah, so it's kind of basically saying, like, I respect what you did. Yeah. Damien's like, well, you know, you might need this time stone more than I do right now. Well, it wasn't Damien nervous at first when Joe started talking to him. He's like, oh, hey. And Joe's like, hey, no, listen, we're good. Yeah. You helped Barry, you know, save his life and save the world. We're good. Yeah, so we're fine. And then Damien gets his send off with his daughter in this weird, like, because the entire the, the entire the, for the time being he's like I still don't understand why I'm not here. 
And he's like, oh, I've got this time stone. Maybe maybe this is why I'm still here. And I'm like, as soon as he drops that thing, he's gone. Yeah. You know, so he gives it to Joe. And then they wind up, like I said, he meets Nora in this weird parallel. It's like this in, like, in-between world, yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like it, purgatory it, or limbo. It, it looked like purgatory limbo type of thing, but it also, did it look like they were in the bar or party place they were at? Just everything was like super, like yeah. white, like the white balance was off? Yeah. It, it looked like the bar they were at just like in a different dimension. Because that was the only thing that they finally get their, their final goodbyes to each other. And then Nora wind, or yeah, Nora winds up coming to the party. Yeah, she's in the middle of the party. She's like, wait, Barry, Iris, what, where the hell am I? Where's my father? So she's now lost her father twice. Yeah. Yikes. And Joe is winds up talking to her, and they're like, okay. I have, a, I have a best person to explain to her everything that happened. He's like, I have a story to tell you. Yeah. And then they kind of just flash forward to a final scene. Now they're at CCPD. Yep. You have an officer saying, boy, I'm glad that's over. And I instantly went, well, fuck, that's not good. Yes. And then they decided to focus on a picture. From 2014. Yes. And lo and behold, who's coming back? Uh, well, it's who appears. So it's a it's a photograph in 2014 of, it looks like it's the entire CCPD force you know mm-hmm. you got joe there and you got some of the officers and folks working there but you see a little bit of was it yellow or red i can't remember well yeah and then purple you know lightning appearing in mm-hmm. the background behind because it starts zooming in on the photo i'm like oh are we about to focus on maybe a villain from a past season you know that's going to reappear in the thing then you see the i believe it was yellow lightning and then you see the purple lightning it's bart allen and nora west allen in appearing in the photo that they f- went back in time and photobombed Yep. So yeah, they're back. We did get a trailer for when they return next year, and it looks like Bart, they, they messed up the timeline again. Bart and Nord decided to go do something with the timeline, which I'm like, I hope this is not a running joke this entire season, pun intended. That, okay, the timeline's messed up. Let's go back and fix it. But, like, I, I'm, I'm still waiting to see what they wind up doing. But for this crossover event pad, Final thoughts. Uh, it was a solid uh, mini event, crossover event, whatever you want to call it. Could have been better, but it had its bright moments, and I and I did enjoy it. I felt it was a good open to the season. It was a bit of a different pace from what we've seen in the past. You know, that said, I not expecting a whole lot. You know, with the timeline getting messed up again. You know, but I'm willing to. Get, I'm going to give it a shot, and I'm going to, you know, not totally judge it until I see the finished product and I see what happens on screen. But I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, I thought for the Flash, I thought this was a step in the right direction. Yeah. I know I've been extremely critical of him over the past two seasons, and I, I feel I'm rightly justified in it. Oh, absolutely. So this episode really kind of was not, I, you know, like you could have said this was just a different one-off. Like you didn't have to tie it in to say this is part of the Armageddon crossover because they went in a different direction from where they ended the conflict. Right. And it was I, I felt it took away a little bit from it. And I know what they wanted to try doing is, okay, obviously Arrow's gone. Flash is still the flagship show now, allegedly. Yeah. We want to have it still be part of the DCCW universe. We're going to bring in some old friends. I wish they had more to do with it. I mean, especially for a couple of them that were featured on the promotional poster. They were only involved in the wedding scene. Yeah. Which I was like, okay, that's that's a little bait and switch, and I don't like that. You know know what the final episode reminded me of? It reminded me of a few seasons of Game of Thrones, where you you have the second-to-last episode be where the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Absolutely batshit crazy. And then the final episode, hey, they're there. Yeah, that's a perfect way to describe it. I didn't think it was bad, though. No, it's not, it wasn't bad. It was enjoyable. Just, you know, for what I expected, it could have been better. 
Yeah, I agree with you too. I was expecting a lot more. I but granted, they did not drop the ball on this. No, it was just you know if this is gonna be the new stack quote for the Flash, okay, it's been better than I've seen in past couple seasons, so I'm good with it. I just want to see him do a little bit more outside of it. But like yeah. I say, the, I understand what they do here. I'm just saying if this is going to be the last season because we don't know, let's really kind of amp it up and really do something different and do something crazy. I don't like seeing the timeline get reset all the time. I granted it's the Flash. It's what he does. But nevertheless, like show me something different. But for coming back out of the gate, I thought this was a good recoming of the Flash to the yeah. CW. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, we gave you our opinions. Now we want to hear yours. ODPH Society, hit us up at hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the Flash's event to kick off season eight? Did you love it? Did you hate it? And why? Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. And I'm JVD. We're your hosts of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thebuildsman.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And it is time. It is finally here. Spider-Man No Way Home is finally hitting theaters this week. Hey, so that being said, we're giving you our final preview prediction of what we're expecting from this movie. Obviously, there's a lot of hype going around, and we can't stress enough to be careful where you're clicking on social media (laughs) if you are trying to avoid spoilers. Open YouTube at your own risk, uh, because I have seen reports. Now, I have not personally seen anything, so I'm not here saying, oh, it's not true, but I have seen folks talking on online today as we record that they have gone to watch a simple video on youtube not anything marvel sony or spider-man related Mm -hmm. and there has been a video in their recommendations that has a spoiler right in the title yes so open at your own risk so that's what i'll say if you're looking for any hashtags even remotely relating to marvel comics i wouldn't even search like the spider-man ps4 hashtag right now there's probably something in there no any any character related to marvel i would not go to I would completely avoid. Unfortunately, it is that kind of situation right now because this is one of the most anticipated movies of all time. Yeah. And it has really gained steam over the past few months. Yeah. We do know that finally we're going to see some old friends returning because from what we can tell from the trailer, this is now the fallout of Spider-Man Far From Home Uh where Tom Holland, who plays Peter Parker, had his identity revealed to the world. Yep. And he is now blamed for the quote-unquote death of Mysterio. Yep. And he is now noticing that everything that he's established as being a hero is now coming apart. His girlfriend, MJ, played by Zendaya, is in danger. Yep. His family is in danger. He goes to the one and only Doctor Strange, who Benedict Cumberbatch is reprising his role for the film. We think. We think. And... Strange has this idea that I can cast a spell and wipe away everything. It's essentially Peter's worst nightmare, you know, come to life. Because no matter who you read, right, you know, who you read, you know, whoever's run of Spider-Man you you read, 
it always comes up, you know, at some point, you know, especially if it's early in the in the pro quote unquote career, that he doesn't want to reveal his identity because it'll put his loved ones in danger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember it very vividly from the Ultimate Co- uh, Spider-Man comics that like that was one of the big reasons. You know, he was afraid of telling, you know, his Aunt May about anything because he's like, I I will get her killed if if they figure out who I am. And we've seen this time and time again. That's why he's so careful in the comics per se. Yeah. Because it winds up that more or less everybody at one point knew who he was yeah. in, amongst the hero yeah. community. It's, it's kind of it was like a running joke at one point. Yeah. Until they did one thing in the comics, which I cannot stand the storyline. I get very angry talking about it. Not as angry as I do talking the Clone Saga, but it's up there. And that is when they did Omit. Yeah. And when Spider-Man made the... Faustian deal with the devil himself, Mephisto, after Aunt May was critically injured by a hit put on him by the Kingpin. Yep. Now, the the comic story is great. We don't know exactly if they're going to be doing that in this movie. I think they're borrowing from it. I think they're borrowing heavily from it. You, you look at the pieces in the structure of that story in the comics. You look at the pieces in the structure of this movie. They match together. They do match very well together. And from what we've seen from the trailer, so thus I don't feel this is a spoiler talking about this. No. They've been borrowing a lot that there is a deal going on. Doctor Strange is playing this this Faustian character. That's the vibe that you're getting that, from him. That's the theory going around, yeah. Yeah, that he's like, okay, I can fix this. And he's, his mannerisms are definitely different than what we've seen in previous incarnations of him in the MCU. Yeah, because, I mean, you go from him in Endgame where he doesn't, you know, Tony asks him, oh, is this the one outcome where we win? And he goes, I can't tell you or else it won't happen. Mm-hmm. He goes from that to... Oh, yeah, why don't we go mess with the timeline and make everybody forget who you were? Yeah, no big deal. Yeah, it's kind of a weird scenario that you see going, but you see that when the spell is happening, something goes wrong. Yeah. Now, we don't exactly know what, because the trailers have just said something goes wrong. Yeah, I mean, in the trailers, uh, Doctor Strange tries laying the blame at Peter's feet because Peter, you know, he's like, oh, everyone, Strange goes, oh, everyone will forget who you are. You know, everyone forget your your secret identity. He, he goes, wait, everyone? Yes, everyone. Well, Aunt May should really know, and, and oh, MJ will forget everything. And, oh, my, my best friend, Ned. And, and Strange literally goes, stop talking. Yeah. So when everything goes wrong, we do find out, according to the trailer, that there is multiverses now open. Uh-huh. And you're seeing characters connected to the Spider-Men from those universes now coming into the 616 universe. Because the, the walls between multiverses at this point, they're already a little cracked. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point in the timeline, WandaVision has already happened. Correct. Loki has already happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're not as structurally sound as you might hope. You know, the, the support beam integral to holding up said walls is it's ready to fall over. Yes, and we've seen at least three noteworthy uh, villains show up. We have seen Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus show up. Yep. We have seen Jamie Foxx reprise his role as Electro. Yes. And we have seen William Defoe reprise his role as Norman Osborn. You've also got uh, Sandman and Lizard back in the film as well. Correct. So I almost forgot about those two because there's so much going on in this movie. Yeah. That they're now borrowing from the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire universe. Yep. And the... Andrew Garfield movies, yeah. Right. So that being said, we don't know how this is all going to shape up. That is pretty much all that we can say that is spoiler-free from what we've seen. Yeah. So the rest is just speculation like we talked about. We're speculating that they're going to be borrowing from Omit. Uh-huh. Because the speculation, if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you know I've been saying since day one that he's Mephisto. Yeah. And I know everybody's like, well, Mephisto was supposed to be in WandaVision. 
if you break down the mannerisms in which Benedict Cumberbatch is using for this portrayal of Doctor Strange, it lines up. Yeah. It lines up perfectly. And if you know the storyline, like I said, from the comics where he dabbles with Omit and and Spider-Man makes that deal. After he reveals his identity to the world. Yes, because he did it for Civil War, and then that's what opened the door for everything. Yeah. And then you see, obviously, the dangers that have happened because Wilson Fisk never forgets. And when he decided to take Aunt May out, and obviously Spider-Man went through every single known factor, including Doctor Strange in the comics. Uh Uh-huh. Mephisto was the only one left. It's a very unique story. I'm not a fan of it. Sure. I I did. I will say this, though. You will see Spider-Man do one of the wildest scenes against the Kingpin in all of comics history because he... I don't want to even ruin that for you. I'm going to tell you, go on your comic shops and go get those issues. Because when he dons the bla- the back in black suit, oh, yeah. the Venom suit, and, and goes after Kingpin, yeah. it's a, some really cool storytelling. Will we see that here? Probably, Probably not. Probably not. But if we do, I'll, I'll mark out in the theaters. We do get a lot of ideas now that this is going to be the big reset button for everything. Because we've been building up to this from the entire phase return of the MCU, phase four. Yep. Where this is all going to shape up, we don't really know. We have heard speculation about more characters being brought into this movie. Yep. Obviously, with the big reveal of Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin that happened in Hawkeye this week, and now since the actor has gone public with it, and I'm sure that everybody else is now running with it too, one would have to assume Charlie Cox is reprising his role as Daredevil. We might see him here. Uh, I'm, I think that's a pretty safe bet because you go back to the video from two weeks ago now, I think it was, mm-hmm. where Feige first said, if we were to do you know, Daredevil in a story of, of some sort, Charlie Cox would be our Daredevil. And he goes on to f- say when, where that is, when that is, you know, how that's going to happen, we don't know yet. But while he's saying all that, Amy Pascal from Sony gives a little, <laughs> you know, when he says when that ha- he says when that happens, and she goes, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you just tipped that off. Yeah. So one has to assume, like we don't know anything for sure, because we're ducking spoilers like everybody else. Uh huh. But that's the only thing we can really speculate of how this is going to reset the entire MCU, because in theory, if this does reset and you see Spider-Man's memory wiped away from everybody, yeah. How does that tie into the Avengers? How does that tie into very true? You know the heroes. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I mean that that's what you're gonna have to deal with because for where this movie's ramifications are, go to, you now have opened the door for the MCU to have all those side universes now come crashing through. So you mean we could get Chris Evans as Johnny Storm? Yeah, like it. it you you could get that incarnation of the Fantastic Four. You can get the other. Terrible movie incarnation, uh, if you want. Please, no. I mean, this is kind of the ultimate reset button to Marvel. I think that this is why this movie matters so much. Because now, the MCU has now given a loophole to bring back dead characters. Yeah. If they want to. Yeah. They can go get the characters that have been with other movie studios. So, like, yeah. the real world is now blended a little bit yeah. into fantasy. Because you could see the X-Men show up here. Well, who, I would say, who's to say, we? you know, after... As a result of this, we couldn't see an appearance from Michael Fassbender as Magneto. 
Yeah, or Hugh Jackman I, is Wolverine. Pigs will fly before that happens, I think. I, I think the one we can safely rule out is Patrick Stewart. Patrick Stewart, ever since Logan came out in 2015, whatever it was, mm-hmm. he's been pretty firm that he's not coming back to play Xavier, uh, Professor Xavier. Right. So I think that from the non-Marvel Cinematic Universe films, I think that's the only one we are safe in saying you know, won't show up. I, we, I'm listen, we could see Hugh Jackman show up. I think if it does, it'll be in the next Deadpool movie. Well, it'll be a, it'll be a quick cameo. Like you might see a, a like a, a shot of them, yeah. like, you know, maybe in front of a school. Yeah. Like nothing super crazy. Like you're not going to see them attacking a Sentinel or anything yeah. like that. You're going to just see just, you know, quick blink, you know, gl- blink and you mess up. Yeah. That's what I was just trying to focus with because that's how fast you're going to see a lot of these characters now get involved. Are you going to see any of the other Spider-Men? Maybe. Yes. You think yes? I hard yes. Hard yes. Yeah. You would have to think so because there's there if you dig into some of the, the leaks, you know, and photos and stuff that have come out from filming of the movie, there's just way too much there to say they're not. And I'm not gonna go into spoilers and I'm not gonna say anything, but I I've seen some photos and I've and I've read some stuff, not recently, you know, but the last couple of months. There's just way too much evidence. There's just way too much smoke to that fire for them to for them to not be in it. Well, I think it'd be smart money to do it. I think if you're going to really change the game as far as Spider-Man's concerned, bring in all those characters from the past. You if the, if Tom, Tom Toby Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this film, and it doesn't have to be the whole movie, but if it's for a significant chunk of the movie, mm-hmm. I will forgive you for Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Because having the three of them in this film together and doing some sort of like Avengers Assemble type scene where they just do like three Spider-Man pose, like three classic Spider-Man poses, that to me will be the ultimate love letter for the last 20 years of being a fan of this franchise. And I will forgive you for Spider-Man three and amazing Spider-Man two. I would have to say this. I just really want to go in this film and just, if this is going to be the end of a chapter and a start of a new one, I really want to see the direction they're going in. Like you touched upon Amy Pascal did say about, they're going to be doing more Spider-Man films after this. Yeah. So this is not the end for Tom Holland. Cause she even said Tom Holland would be in another Spider-Man film. Yeah. Now we don't know contracts. Because it could be one of those things that he signed a six-film deal. Yeah. We don't know. I mean, this Marvel used to do that with their actors. They haven't done that recently, to my knowledge. Not that I know of, no. They, right. The contracts are kind of real weird given the TV shows and this and that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, things have changed as far as that is concerned. Yeah. But it's something that we definitely should keep our eyes on moving forward because what I think you're going to have happen here at some point is you're going to have – Miles Morales get introduced into the MCU. Well, I mean, the seed's already there. We saw his uncle in Homecoming. Mm-hmm. So the seed's already there. Yeah, but I think now maybe we'll see a bonus shot. We might. Maybe. I mean, the, that's the one thing that they really have to drive home with this, is this is going to be a start of a new chapter. There's a whole plethora of directions they can go into. Yeah. I mean, if they wanted to borrow from Into the Spider-Verse, one of the greatest comic movies of all time. I don't care if it's animated. It's one of the best. I'm sure they'll do Miles Morales at some point, but they have to be very careful with that because I will say the bar for a Miles Morales live-action film is higher than any Spider-Man movie ever. I'll give you that. There is no room for them to fuck that up. No. At all. No, and you know what? I don't think they would. 
I honestly think that that would be one of the biggest franchises they could do. As long as Mar- as Feige and Marvel are involved, mm. they won't. It won't get fucked up. Yeah. If, if Feige and Marvel aren't involved, oh boy. Miles Morales is one of the most popular characters in the past thirty years. For any company. For any company. Yeah, that's why I said just period. So I say they do a franchise, they're going to be making billions. It'll be one of the most profitable franchises they could make. Uh-huh. I'm here for it. Sign me up opening day. I can't wait to see him on the big screen. I don't need Peter Parker on there. I mean, it's great to see him. Don't get me wrong. I like to, I love Tom Holland as Peter Parker, but if they're going to make the transition and, and go to Miles Morales, go right ahead. Or you know, if they want to do like even a Spider-Core movie. You know, and have Ghost Spider in there. Yeah. They have so many different directions to go into that for this film, the bar is set so high. Yeah. That they have to nail it out of the park. Like the, the storyline is simple, but yet it is complex because of what could happen. If Spider Man is wiped away from everybody's memory, then what happens to the past he's had in the MCU? Yeah. That's the biggest X factor I think you have. Yeah. Plus, now you have all these multiverses. Who knows who's coming in and who's not? We do know Venom is going to be a part of this. In some capacity. In some capacity, due to the bonus scene from Let There Be Carnage and Let Me Save You the Time. Yes, he does see Spider-Man Tom Holland and has a reaction. Yep. So all that being said, the movie has got so much writing on it, it can't fail. And if it does, the fans will never forgive it. Uh Uh-huh. But I think, though, from what we can say, spoiler-free, it sounds like they nailed it. It really does. I'm excited to see the action sequences because Tom Holland did say in an interview, probably on the red carpet for the premiere the other night, he is a fan of the Spider-Man PS4 video game, Mm -hmm. and he even incorporated one of the moves you can do in said video game into the movie. So I'll probably not see it and miss it and then see it later, but I'm excited to see that. I'm also excited to see the box office numbers this movie does because it's going to make a lot of money. It is. This is going to be the biggest movie of the year, bar none. And if you are looking for an event that's going to shut down social media like Avengers Endgame did, this is going to be the one. Thursday is going to be a very, very busy day that night on social media because you're going to see people coming out of that theater and reacting. And if it's a wave of positivity, it's a big win for Marvel. It's a big win for Sony, who needs it. And then where do we go from here? I mean, obviously, there's a whole slate of MCU films going next year. Mm Mm-hmm. The possibilities are endless, and this is going to be the tipping point to really kick everything off. Like, we've had Shang-Chi, and we've had the Eternals. Yeah. We've had Disney+, Plus, but this is the one that's going to set everything off. The big domino is going to fall. Where do we go from here? That's the question. But before we sign out of this segment, Pad, we've had a lot of Spider-Man movies thus far. Yes. What are some of your favorite moments of Spider-Man franchise? Uh, well, I, I gotta say, just the whole origin story, you know, and getting to see that on the big screen for the first time, definitely enjoyed the hell out of that. You know, rest in peace, Macho Man Randy Savage. That that sequence Absolutely. in the first movie was amazing. You know, but one of the standout moments for me, and probably the standout moments for a lot of people, is the train sequence from mm. Spider-Man Two. Which shout out to the special effects folks. You know, I watched Spider-Man Two a couple of weeks ago. You know, the visuals for being, you know, as old as it is, it's going on 20 years now or you know, coming up on it. The visuals in that movie still hold up pretty damn good for being as old as it is. You know, so just the entirety of Spider-Man 2, but especially the train sequence, you know, really stand out to me. Also, um, in terms for so that's for my standout for the Rainy universe. From the Andrew Garfield universe, I got to say the Stan Lee cameo in Amazing Spider-Man 1. 
is absolutely goddamn hilarious and and was one of my favorites and is still one of my favorite cameos from St- Stan the Man Lee. You know, so that's uh, that's one of uh, my standout from uh, the Amazing Spider-Man films. For me, just seeing Spider-Man one, yeah, because with all the the drama that it took to get that to the big screen, like I said, James Cameron was tied to it at one yeah. point, yeah, which I I can only imagine what that would have been like, yeah. But to see that Spider-Man finally got to the big screen and what an epic adaptation it was and just of how well it was a love letter to fans. Yeah, I was say, I, to my recollection, you know, I think Spider-Man 1 was the first film I saw in theaters without my parents. Mm. You know, because I was, you know, I wasn't super young, but I was on the cusp of being a teenager when the first one came out. You know, and, and a buddy of mine from school wanted to go see it. And he's like, oh, you want to go see it with me? I was like, yeah, sure. And I asked my parents. I'm like, yeah, sure, you can go. So that was the first movie I saw in theaters without my parents taking me. You know, and, and sitting front row in the corner, which I never recommend to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and you get to the end sequence at the, the graveyard. And he goes, who am I? You know, he's having the monologue. And he goes, who am I? And some dude in the back of the theater goes, Batman! <laughs> you know, just... And I got to say, I love the hell out of the first Spider-Man movie with Tobey Maguire. You know, got that for a Christmas gift, you know, the year it came out. Regular rotation at my house. You yeah. Know, loved watching that movie. No, I'm with you. Like I say, that that is my quintessential movie. Like, I loved seeing that on the big screen. It, it definitely hit every expectation I wanted from it. Spider-Man 2, I thought, was a great sequel. Uh, Al- my, Alfred Molina is Doc Ock. My mom hates Chris, uh, Kirsten Dunstan in that movie uh, because that was a very popular movie and was in. She worked in a video department, you know, where she works uh, when it was still they still had a video department, mm-hmm. so, you know. So they they'd run movies throughout the day while they were open, and that was you know she knew it was a popular movie, so she had it running while there. And so Kirsten Dunst screams in that movie just absolutely drove her nuts. Yeah, I, I could imagine, but no, I mean that those two movies right there just sold me on the franchise. Spider-Man Three is so polarizing. I just don't even want to get into it. It was. It, it's just bad. It had the dance sequence. I mean, that's, yeah, no. that's the only thing worth talking about that film. They they tried doing too much in that one. They Batman Forevered it. Yeah, and that's not the way you do it. Which that's something I fear with this film. But I, I think the powers that be have learned from that. I say the powers that be, and plus Marvel is involved. Yeah, and as for the other movies uh, with Andrew Garfield, he is not my Peter Parker. He is my Spider-Man, though. Yeah. I do like his portrayal as that. Yeah. And I thought Spider-Man 1 was okay. Amazing Spider-Man 1, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 1. Uh, I did not care for the sequel. Yeah, the sequel was not great. I, As I said before, I own the damn thing. I have not watched it since I saw it in theaters. I give him credit for killing Gwen Stacy. I applauded that. I didn't think they'd do it. No, I actually clapped in the theater. Yeah, I was sitting next to you. I can confirm this. Yeah, I am not a Gwen Stacy fan. I'm Team MJ all day. I I was I was never a big fan of her in the comics. Albeit though, I do like Ghost Spider. Sure, I do like this incarnation of her. Sure, but just it, when she was in the comics, I just did not gravitate towards her. Like I do, I'm a big MJ fan, and sure. I think like I said, that one is just like you know, just for those characters. Like if I got to choose one, I go Team MJ every day, all day. And yeah, I did clap because in the theaters because I just I for some reason I just I could not stand Emma Stone's performance as her. She was all right. She was all right, but it was just like something about like even though it was Gwen Stacy, I just I could not like yeah. get into it. So like I said, yeah, I did clap, and I, I know I'm sick about that saying that, but you know it is what it is. It's a character. Yeah, you know, like I say, especially in comics, they can bring him right back, and then you know, but whatever. To wipe the slate clean and get Tom Holland in there, though, I think that's one of my favorite memories too. Because oh god, yeah, because how he came in in Civil War definitely stole the movie. Perfect. 
And then you get the little backstory, too, with Homecoming and just how he's carved his own niche in the mountain. Yeah. That's always been a cool moment as well, too. That there's just so much with this franchise, and that's why I mean so much. And then just with closing, No Way Home has to hit all marks because look at the legacy it's left. Yeah. And for Tom Holland, we don't know what the future is going to lie with him in this franchise, but we have to say he's going to keep moving forward. And if he's going to pass the torch, whoever's going to play Miles Morales, they really got to make sure they leave him in good standings. They can't have a dud film that fans are walking away going, are we going to see another Spider-Man? I want that buzz to carry through that whenever it's either San Diego Comic-Con or New York Comic-Con or wherever they're going to be doing something in front of a crowd to get that reaction, I want the roof to blow off the place when they make the next announcement of Spider-Man. I think this movie's going to do it. You know we're going to be recapping it in detail next week. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is some of your predictions for Spider-Man No Way Home? And let us know your favorite Spider-Man movie moment. That being said, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment of this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for those one-shots? Got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is some unfortunate news. Uh, we have to pass along some breaking news today as we record, and that is the passing of a living legend in more than one sense. Uh, Henry Orenstein, for those of you who don't know, uh, was the person behind the creation of the Transformers line of toys and was revolutionary in the way poker is played. He passed away uh, today as we record at the age of 98. Uh, the passed away uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, at his home in New Jersey. Uh, reading from an article on Newsweek.com, uh, he was born in 1923 and endured the horror of his parents being murdered in the Holocaust before he and his brothers were transferred to a Nazi concentration camp in Germany. Uh, quote, after moving to the U.S. in 1947, he embarked on a career as a toy maker where he pitched his vision for a line of transforming toys to then-industry giant Hasbro, a move that, C- that then-CEO Alan Hassenfield uh, Hassenfeld, excuse me, uh, said was the catalyst for the legendary Transformers toys that were a huge hit in America. Henry basically had a sense that Transformers was going to be something that would be transformational for the toy industry, Hassenfeld told Newsweek in 2016. Uh, to be a, to be able to take a car and, with a little bit of dexterity, change it into another toy, that was something magical. The toys, which debuted in the 1980s, proved hugely popular and have gone on to spawn a number of blockbuster movies. You know, it was just, it was just, he's just an absolute legend. He was an innovator in how audiences watch poker on TV. He was a dedicated player who won the 1996 World Series of Poker seven card stud tournament. Uh, Ornstein revolutionized how we watch poker at home. Uh, article on Newsweek says TV broadcasts of poker were in the, in the past not only rare, but incredibly boring for the viewer, as you could not see the cards the players were holding. Ornstein's solution was to invent whole card cameras a camera under the glass poker table that displays players' cards for TV viewers at home. The idea was sold to NBC and led to live poker becoming a TV sports sensation across the globe. Uh, he subsequently subsequently elected to the Poker Hall of Fame in 2008. You know, so just an absolute legend that, you know, definitely got to give a tip of the cap to, you know, for everything he did and, and thoughts and prayers out to his friends and family. Absolutely. Our deepest condolences go out to his family, friends, and fans. 
Yeah. Uh, so switching over to some streaming news. Uh, this Friday, you should all remember to toss a coin to your Witcher because this Friday, season two of The Witcher drops on Netflix. Holy shit, I'm excited because it's been a hot minute since we've seen this show. Uh, season one debuted to rave reviews and massive success on December 20th of 2019. So almost, you know, almost two years to the day, you know, but we got season two coming. You got uh, Henry Cavill reprising his role as Geralt the Witcher. You know, we got more antics and you know, I am very excited to see where this goes. Uh, I know the books, uh, the series creator and the author of the books has spoken his praise for series two. So I know that's always a good sign because, hey, creators of uh, products are known to shit on adaptations of their work from time to time. So the fact that it has his praise, uh, I'm very excited for season two and I'm going to be so goddamn excited. Well, let's see how it shapes up. I mean, Netflix obviously has been canceling some shows lately, so yeah. Uh, I'm hoping for your sake, because I know you're a big fan of it. Yes. Uh, it, it pans out, so yeah. we'll kind of have to wait to see. I haven't forgotten about Bebop, though. This is true. Uh, next, uh, with some movie news, we got a trailer for the next Fantastic Beasts film uh, titled The Secrets of Dumbledore, of course, which is starring Jude Law as Dumbledore. You, it was also the first time we saw Mads Mikkelsen uh, portray his version of uh, Gellert Grindelwald. You know, uh, so not really a whole lot to go off of, just because it's a very vague trailer, just... Uh, Dumbledore's got a group of folks together, you know, to try and, and stop Grindelwald, who's taking over the wizarding world. If you know anything about the books, you know how this is going to go. Uh, for those of you who don't think pre World War Two. Mm. Uh, so, it, you, and if you know anything about the books and you've read the Harry and by the books, I mean the Harry Potter books, you know how this is going to end. They've been very open about where this is going to end and what's mm. what's going to happen in the end. Dumbledore versus Grindelwald. It's going to be absolutely insane. Uh, the movie drops on April 15th of 2022. It's directed by longtime Harry Potter and uh, director David Yates. Uh, so I'm super excited for this. I cannot wait. Yeah, I know. This is your franchise. So I know you have this date circled on the calendar. Yeah. It, the trailer looked good. I got to say, like yeah. for not being as big as of a, a Potter fan as you sure. are, I thought it looked decent. Yeah. So definitely intrigued. And then switching to a whole bunch of video game news because you had the video game awards take place last week, but we got a new video game announced today. Oh. Uh, it was announced today by the folks over at Ubisoft that a new a Splinter Cell remake is in development. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, reading uh, from an article article courtesy of the folks over at Cinelinks.com uh, says, quote, Sam Fisher is finally making his return in his own game rather than cameoing elsewhere in a full on remake of this original Splinter Cell. At pretty much every gaming event slash presentation over the last several years, fans have been eagerly hoping for some sort of Splinter Cell announcement. It's been several years since the last game, Blacklist, launched in 2013, and for the longest time, Ubisoft seemed content to only use Fisher as a side character or cameo in various other games. Now we have a new, quote-unquote, game to look forward to as the franchise is returning to its roots. Today, Ubisoft announced development on a Splinter Cell remake is underway. Uh, says, uh, uh, obviously with, uh, says, uh, Ubisoft has greenlit the development of Splinter Cell Remake that will draw from the rich canvas of the brand led by Ubisoft Toronto. The game will be rebuilt from the ground up, uh, using Ubisoft's own snowdrop engine to deliver new generation visuals and gameplay in the dynamic lighting and shadows. The series is known for. With more Splinter Cell on the horizon, Ubisoft News uh, spoke with some of the development that launched the original game 19 years ago and some that are working on the remake to find out exactly what set Splinter Cell apart from the competition. So obviously the original Splinter Cell game, which came out a long time ago, was a revolutionary game and really 
defined the stealth genre as we know today. I, I never played through it because, you know, I I tried a demo of it in a Toys R Us years ago and I wasn't the biggest fan. But it was super tough demo that, you know, you had to stealthily get through and do the mission, you know. And if you were detected in any way, shape, or form, mission over. Yeah. You know, so I'm super excited to see where they go with this. If they want to tone it down a little bit and make it so stealth is kind of optional i'm all right with that you know because that's more my style i'm not the biggest stealth guy if i can if i can run and gun through stealth optional i'm all for that you know but i might give it a shot we'll see yeah i mean it definitely looked cool like just yeah and obviously you think about splinter cell and like what it's done for the genre like you touched upon it's one of those franchises that you definitely got to go pay some respect to and go play the game and see what you vibe about yeah uh, and then we got to go through all of the video game trailers that were dropped at the video, uh, video game awards or game awards last week because holy shit there were a lot. Mm. Uh, some of the ones not going to go through all of them, but just the ones that jumped out to me. You had a tr- uh, brief teaser trailer for the next game uh, from the folks behind the Friday the Thirteenth game. Uh, you know, it's, which is going to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. Yeah, this looked interesting. Didn't really give us too much about what it's going to be about or how it's going to be. I'm going to guess it's probably going to be in the same vein as the Friday the Thirteenth or dead by daylight game you know somebody's going to be playing leatherface you're going to have a group of folks who try to survive and try to get out you know so but it still should be absolutely insane and it looks like it could be a lot of fun for some folks definitely have that vibe to it uh you also had a uh video game prequel to the hit tv series the expanse uh, get announced mm. this from the folks over at telltale uh telltale games so if you know oh, anything, nice you know anything about the telltale games they're story driven multiple choice and you're going to regret some of the choices you make uh it'll be so it's a prequel uh, for the show uh so that should be definitely something interesting to check out uh you also had a new star wars game got announced i'm super fucking excited for this that look cool the, uh so this is titled star wars eclipse it looks like it's uh so it's from the folks over at quantum uh, Qu- uh quantic dream uh and it looks like it's going to be set during the high republic era so that's the era they've been doing with the books and the comics recently you know where it's like 300 years, but I think before the events of uh, Star Wars, A New Hope, you know, looks super interesting. We do get a glimpse of Yoda in the trailer, Mm. you know, and there is a certain curved lightsaber hilt in the trailer that a lot of folks are thinking might be Dooku. And it could be uh, because the folks at Lucasfilm have said that the time, uh, the years this High Republic era take place in do end while Dooku is alive. So who knows? We could be seeing a young Count Dooku uh, in this new Star Wars game. You never know. No, I definitely dope Yoda being in there. Yeah. That was cool. I mean, unless it's Grogu and they want to throw everybody off. That'd be a hell of a plot twist. I know. I'm just kidding with that. But no, the game looked solid. So I'm definitely excited to see when that comes out. Yeah. uh, Then we got a couple of, uh, we got a a comic book game announced uh, with a Wonder Woman game coming from the folks over at WB and the uh, team at Monolith. Those are the folks behind the Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor uh, game. Supposedly, now there was no, this is just an announcement trailer. You know, there was no footage or gameplay shown from this. So we really don't know what it's going to be about. But the thing I have read is it's going to use the Nemesis system from the Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor games, if you're familiar with that. So basically what it is, is you you can't just progress through the story. You got to go out and you got to take these out these bosses but you could have it done in such a way where the guys take out themselves you know guys take out their their competition you know if you don't take out enough in time guys step in to fill the roles it's a very dynamic it's a very interesting system that supposedly is going to be in this wonder woman game and if so i'm all for it yeah it's definitely a cool twist that they want to do it that way i'm, yeah. I'm excited to see this 
Yeah. Uh, next, we got the reveal trailer for Alan Wake 2. Uh, it's been more than a console generation since we've seen the original one. Uh, but we do we did get a reveal trailer for the new Alan Wake game. Uh, so no word when that's going to come out. But they I believe they did say that sometime in the middle, like summer next year, so probably around E3, mm-hmm. uh, they'll be revealing some more information. Uh, we did get a new gameplay trailer for Horizon Forbidden West. This is the sequel to my favorite game of all time, Horizon Zero Dawn. I seriously cannot wait for this goddamn game. I just need to get a hold of the PS5 to do it. Uh, we also It was also announced that Final Fantasy VII, uh, the remake, is coming to PC. Yay, finally! Hey, hooray! But only on the Epic Game Store, because yikes. Yeah, reasons. Yeah, folks aren't the biggest fan of the Epic Game Store. Uh, we got a new trailer for the next Destiny 2 expansion, The Witch Queen, which I'm starting to get back into Destiny. So that's coming out in February. Super excited for that one. Uh, also got our first look trailer at the Lord of the Rings Gollum game. You know, so this is the one that was announced. We didn't really know anything about just that, hey, you're playing Gollum. And it's set from the time I believe he loses the ring up through who the hell knows when. Uh, looks interesting. Not a fan of the way Gollum looks. Uh, his eyes look real weird. Yeah, this is this one did not impress me. Not gonna lie. Yeah, uh, I thought they got his mannerisms wrong, and yeah, his his eyes look really his, weird. His eyes look really weird, and also it's not Andy Circus doing the voice, so that bugs the shit out of me. See, that doesn't bother me as much, but then again, I play Square Enix's Avengers, and yeah, I, I've I've grown accustomed to the voices being different. Yeah, so, you know, as was. But it it does appear that the game is going to be sort of like a multi path, like hey, because it's Gollum and it's split personalities, you're gonna have different ways to do things. So that should be interesting. Uh, we did we did get a first look trailer at the long-awaited DLC for Cuphead. Uh, really? Yeah, so that, that's been a long-awaited DLC. The Delicious Last Course is what it's called. It's finally got a release date coming June 30th, 2022. Uh, it's going to add a bunch of different regions, each with its own seasons and you know, from hot desserts to deserts to cold tundras. Uh, each level is going to have a new boss as well, so expect more of the anger-inducing uh, gameplay with that. I know a lot of folks are big fans of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a look at a new Sonic game, which was interesting because it looked like it was open world, which was because I know Sonic is either hit or miss. It's either great or it's awful. Yeah. You know, but it looked open world a little bit. So that, that could be interesting. That's coming sometime uh, later in 2022. Uh, we did get a uh, look at, I can't remember if this is the first look we've had a gameplay. Maybe it is uh, for suicide, uh, suicide squad, kill the justice league. You know, it got to look at uh, captain boomerang, uh, Saw Deathstroke or uh, Deadshot. Deadshot. We got Deadshot, Harley Quinn, King Shark. You know, and hey, their mission is kill the Suicide Squad. Looks absolutely awesome. Yeah, no, we saw a little bit at uh, DC Fandom. Okay. But uh, the big thing from this trailer, I mean, they definitely kind of deep dived a little bit. It's got the vein of the James Gunn yeah. universe yeah. in it. You can definitely see that all throughout. Yep. I did love what I saw from this. I mean, the whole story is basically something's happened to the Justice League. It looks like they've been taken over by Brainiac. Yep. And Amanda Waller does what Amanda Waller does best. Gives zero you-know-whats and let's get down to business. She don't care yeah. who she's got to kill to save the world. She's going to do it. So this looked absolutely dope. Um, I do love the little uh, torture scene with the penguin. Not going to lie. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. That was, this game is easily going to be rated. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. Uh, we did get in a reveal trailer for Warhammer uh, 40,000 Space Marine 2. So this is 10 years after the original Space Marine uh, came out. We're, we're getting a sequel to that. So I know there are a lot of people who are excited for that. Uh, we got a new gameplay trailer for the Saints Row remake, reboot, whatever the hell you want to call it. it looks absolutely insane. 
uh, showed a, uh, so that I'm excited for that. Uh, they did show a trailer for the new Fall Guys season, which is going on, which is Christmas themed, and they did show off a little Nightmare Before Christmas uh, skins that you can get for that. So definitely, know a lot of folks are excited about that. You can look as like Jack, you make your character look like Jack Skellington, Sally, and you got the Mayor of Halloween Town all in their bean form, of course, because it's Fall Guys. Looked dope. It looks fun. Uh, did get an announcement for a Dune Spice Wars game. So this is going to be a PC only game, and it's an RTS game, basically about controlling spice and harnessing the desert power. You know, so look, look, it's going to be in early access, that deadly word, uh, sometime in 2022. So could be interesting. Not, I would assume it's going to have some tie into the movie because otherwise, why the hell would they do it? When I, when I first heard the name, I thought it was Dune Spice World. <laughs> and I immediately thought, yo, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know me, I'm not a fan of Dune. So, yeah. I, I will peruse this game and watch some other gameplay yeah. for it, but it's not real high on my list. Uh, we did get a story trailer for the uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands game. Uh, so this is from the folks over at Gearbox, and it's a spinoff of the Borderland games. So this is, again, this is what happens when you have Tiny Tina, one of my favorite characters in video game history, is a dungeon master for the game. Uh, she's it's it's chaotic it's insane we did get some uh voice actor reveals that are going to be in the game so will arnett is going to be playing the main antagonist in the game uh you also have wanda sykes ashley birch and also andy samberg is going to be in the game hmm. he's voicing characters so i'm i'm super excited for that uh this next one listen y'all are sus <laughs> uh among us vr is coming because hey it's not out on playstation yet but let's announce it for vr yeah uh no surprise here among us is one of the most popular games going you know with everything going on especially modded so no surprise there you know also you had a uh star trek resurgence game game get announced didn't outright say it but it appears that this is going to be from the folks over at telltale that's kind of the vibe I got. Which, I mean, if you listen, if it's going to be from the folks at Telltale, I'm all for it. Uh, you know, this is going to be coming in sometime in uh, spring of next year. Uh, and it looks like you're going to be donning the uniform of First Officer Jera Rydak and then Engineer Carter Diaz. Uh, and they're trying to unveil a mystery before a war breaks out. So that should be something interesting. Listen, it's Telltale. They make great games if you haven't played them before. Yeah, they're, they're top shelf, so I don't doubt anything they're pulling yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, so, and then you had the Hel- uh, Elden Ring uh, trailer get shown off. I know a lot of people are uh, for that. They showed off the Matrix Awakens. You know, it's an Unreal Engine 5 experience, which you can you can play on PS5 and Xbox Series X. It's fucking nuts. It looks real real. It's not real, but it's it looks real. Holy shit. Uh, so those were some of the game trailers uh, they showed off during that. But we also did have, during the show, they showed off the trailer for the new sonic movie which that looks that looks all right it looked like it looked all right it looks all right uh and then we finally got the first look trailer for the new halo series coming to paramount plus next year i think yes you know that looks absolutely awesome and holy shit i cannot wait high budget looks very good it looks like they really captured the feel of the game yeah so that was something i was really wondering how they're gonna pull off yeah but i was definitely excited about it well christ this whole entire halo franchise in terms of like not a video game has been in development hell for 15 years you know i know at one point Peter Jackson was tied to it and mm-hmm. doing a movie, but then he left it so he could go work on the Hobbit movies. I, it's been it's been in literal development hell for to get something done for ten years. The fact that we're finally actually getting something is super exciting. Yeah, I was just hoping it was going to be Michael Bay. That was my thing <laughs> oh, with it. I, I just want to see no. nothing, nothing but explosions. No, please. 
So for my one shots, I want to kick off talking some CW news. Okay. Now we did get uh, some release dates for Naomi and Superman and Lois. They're going to be coming back second week of January, so that's going to be a big week on the CW for the DC shows. And it's been announced via Variety that there's going to be a Gotham Knights show. Oh. So uh, the team is looking like it's going to be uh, writers Natalie Abrams, Chad Fivish, okay, and James Sturdo, uh, who are also working on Batwoman. Um, so, and this also going to be Greg Bertolani. He's going to be tied to the sure, project too. Sure. So, so this is going to be some very cool stuff going on. And the premise is kind of a little crazy. Uh, according to the variety article, it's in the show in the wake of Bruce Wayne's murder, okay. his rebellious adopted son forges an unlikely alliance with the children of the Batman enemies when they are framed for killing the Cape Crusader. Okay. So, yeah, so they definitely got a lot of interesting concepts they can roll with with this i mean we don't have a lineup of characters named just yeah yet. i mean it's it's interesting that they're doing this especially since you've got the game coming out sometime next year i think 2023 whatever it's coming out but like the fact that they're doing this when the game is coming out not long after it's very interesting yeah and and in the article as well too they said it's not connected to the game that makes sense so and it's not a spin-off of batwoman so they were very adamant to say that so this is like a despite the fact that there's supposed to be one universe on the tv shows we're entering a second one yeah well i mean they do have the multiverse on the cw so anything is possible with this so we're kind of kind of have to wait to see how it all shapes up uh, but definitely excited to see what they're going to do. And obviously, if you're going to be reloading the CW, doing a Gotham Knights show is not bad. I'm just curious about who the rebellious adopted son is. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have Red Hood lead a show? Oh, boy. I mean, we do live in wild times, so it's not out of the realm of thought. Just putting that out there. All right. And then we got to talk some comics. Okay. Because there is a lot of stuff going on. So this being said... We did get some confirmation via Scott Snyder and company about We Have Demons is coming out to Dark Horse Comics. Okay. And that is going to be coming out the first issue March 23rd. So it'll be hitting the comic shops. It will be off Comicsology. Well, it'll still be on Comicsology. Right, but, but it'll be publicly available. Yes. So you can start getting the print versions of this in March. And the trade paperback is coming in August. And they did have a picture of the cover. Uh, the alternate cover from Jacques. Okay. And I'm showing Pad right now. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, that is definitely a cool cover. So I'm excited to see this. I mean, obviously, I've been reading the books on Comixology Unlimited. I highly recommend you go check it out. And to get it in your comic shops, like, listen, this has been the whole deal they've had going on. Definitely go to your comic shops and go pick them up because they're fantastic issues to collect. And I can't wait to get the trade paperback. Like, I've read the issues, and I, I own the issues on Comixology. I'm going to pick them up as well, because that's how much of a fan I am of them. Also, Marvel news. We did get the announcement of who the new Sorcerer Supreme is. Okay. It's Clea. Oh, okay. So, Doctor Strange's uh, pa- partner in times and uh, the Dark Dimension owner, uh, keeper, mm-hmm. uh, she is now taking over the re- the title of Sorcerer Supreme okay. and is rolling out into a new series coming out in March. So definitely uh, that's following up the Death of Doctor Strange uh, limited series that's been going on right now. So uh, with comics, who knows what you're going to get. True. I, I don't know if this is going to last permanently, but I think it's a cool story that they're going to be running with. So I'm definitely excited to see how this all shapes up. I mean, they're doing some really good work over Marvel with the comics line yeah. too. 
because I know that we always talk the MCU shows a lot and we don't really break down too much of what they're doing in the comics universe, but they are doing big things. This week at the shops, Hulk number two is out from Donnie Cates and Ryan Otley. Uh, that series has been absolutely bonkers out the gate, so definitely make sure to go pick that up. On the DC Comics side of things, mm-hmm. uh, well, we did forget to mention some news about one Tom Taylor. Oh, yeah? He just signed DC Exclusive. Hey. And the trade paperback for his uh, start of his Nightwing run is now out in, sh- in shops this week. Nice. So leaping into the light. So definitely go pick that up. That's been some fantastic work going on there. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff going on, too. Strange Adventures 2 uh, is out in trade paperback form as well this week. And there is some very cool indie books going on because we featured them in Parlay Points this week. Okay. So first up, we had Berserker number six from Boom Studios. Now, this is the comic that Keanu Reeves, yes, that Keanu Reeves is writing with Matt Kent and Ron Garney. Uh, This book has been absolutely just insanely brutal, and it's a lot of dimensions to it. But I'm calling up the artwork to pad right now oh, because okay. this is Ron Garney's work here. Yeah. And obviously some crazy stuff is happening. And I'm just going to show you the scene. I'm going to leave it. What the fuck? Yep. Where you have the character of B taking care of a tank yeah. and one-handing grabbing a missile yeah. and throwing it back. While it's being fired. Yes. This book is not for the squeamish. It does have a very good story to it. I know that, obviously, it's been connected to being developed for Netflix. Right. So there is definitely a lot to pick up from this book, so I would make sure to go to your comic shops and go grab a copy of it this week. And also, Valiant Comics has got another hit on their hands with Exo Man of War number 9. That will be wrapping up the current story arc with everybody's favorite barbarian in a symbiotic armor suit. And they're doing big things there. The cover arts there, too, are phenomenal. I put all three up on the Parlay Points blog. Because after this, they did tease about a big event going on as well. Valiant is doing big things right now. And if you're not on board, I'm strongly telling you to get on board. Because especially when Shadow Man comes back, the game is changing for everything. It's going to be a year of Valiant, hands down. Make sure to get on board now. Go to your comic shops. Support your local comic shops. Go grab your pull list. Make sure they're paid up for the holidays. And definitely support your independent podcast covering comics as well. It's a great time to be a comic fan, especially with a lot of new projects coming down on the horizon for 2022. That all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Shout at the Robots. They are fantastic people. They have got some gigs coming up too, so they're coming out of their uh, hibernation, if you will. And they're going to be definitely hitting the road a little bit as uh, things are kind of right. you know kicking off in 2022. But, Pat, if I want to find out more about Shout, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over to the music section. Check on everything going on with Shout. Everything going on with Brian Wolf. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Tom Jolu. Yard Party. Floodlands. Any music you hear on the ODPH Podcast, it is on there. Go support them this holiday season. You want to, you want to support somebody? Go support those bands because they've been supporting us ever since they connected with us. Shout always is letting us use their music whenever we ask. I don't. I was told by Julian, I don't even need to ask anymore. Just do it. We trust you. In that kind of respect, you got to go support them as well because they're just awesome people. Also, while you're at the website, go check out the directory where we have links to the podcast on your favorite pod provider. Pat, how many are we up to now? Like 9,010. 9,010. It's quite possible. We are on a lot of places, and we thank you so much for dropping those files. Subscriptions are up to... Listen, we can't thank you enough for all the support you're showing us. We're trying to give it back to you with all the amazing content we can give you. 
Also, check out the Classifieds, which has friends of the show. You want to go support some local businesses in the 607 area? If you live out of town, they can definitely do some business with you as well. Go check there. We also have organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages. Because you know my saying. If you claim you're in a group on pod and on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and your group is not on Podchaser with your group, you're not in a group. Just saying. So shout out the inner circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse, which is growing every single day. Chat today was a freaking fantastic pad. You, I, I got to show you some of them, man. The All conversations right. going on there, spot on. And, of course, our fam over at 607 Podcast and 8122 Productions. Go check out their Patreon. They got some new stuff lined up for the new year as well. All of that, the T Public Store, the designs are up. There's a sale going on right now. There is no better time to go get some ODPH swag. Whether you're looking for hoodies, whether you're looking for shirts, whether you're looking for pillows, mugs, laptop covers, phone covers, you name it, T Public's got it probably. And if not, go let them know. But you can find your favorite logo from the ODPH up there. And you can get it sent to you for a very reasonable price. All that and so much more. Parlay points. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one only Paddle 1J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Kenham. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Don't spoil Spider-Man No Way Home. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.